I'll give myself some credit for where my career has taken me, but I will give tenfold credit to the mentors I've been able to surround myself with. And it's, it's truthfully the, the number the, the, the first bit of advice I give to any young person, and I don't care what job you're going into, I don't care what career you pick, but if you choose the trades, especially because there's so many different ways you can go, I seeked to surround myself with people I thought were the best at what I was trying to do. Okay. And I was very, very fortunate to be able to be surrounded by not only good people, but people that were willing to kind of extend that olive branch down to me as I was learning. So in my progression, I mean, I worked with good regional people. So within my city and my area, and they were able to teach me how to do business on that level. And then I went to, you know, a provincial level up here or like a state level down there. And then I had people that were willing to mentor me there. And then it got bigger and bigger and bigger. But no matter what seat you're sitting in and no matter what it says on your business card or your job title, seek to surround yourself with the best people and ask questions and be be upfront with it and say, hey, look, I, I'm trying to learn this craft as best as I can get there. You know, I want to absorb everything you got um, up in the head, you know, in your head and, and transfer it over, right? I want to be as valuable as I can be. Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now, your host, Keith Williams. Welcome to the Skill Stadium Podcast, episode 120. I'm your host, Keith Williams. Thank you for tuning in. Today's show is about HVAC careers and making career changes. Today's guest is from Ontario, Canada. Uh, he lives not far from Toronto. My guest has worked in the HVAC industry, starting as a technician. My guest has also worked in leadership roles for companies such as GE, and most recently made the brave move to become a business owner in the HVAC industry. He is the founder of Contractor Growth Hub and a fellow podcaster. Please welcome Ryan Van Dyke to the Skill Stadium Podcast. Ryan, how are you this evening, this afternoon? Good, Keith. Awesome to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've had a look at what you've been doing out there and it's definitely a noble cause that I agree with 100%. So I'm happy to be here and uh, talk to your audience and yourself. Excellent. And folks, want to talk about how Ryan and I connected. I saw Ryan on TikTok of all places. And I literally just reached out to him. I said, Hey, man, I, I like what you're doing. And folks, you know, no, you know, just wanted to get to know him a little better and, and support the work he was doing. And here we are after a uh, I think we had a conversation before this. And so, um, folks, the social media platforms are great resources to connect with people and uh, definitely take advantage of it and um, definitely do that. So, Ryan, you were working for GE as an executive, which was in a structured corporate environment. How has the transition been going to the business world where you you obviously you don't have the same resources. Yeah, I mean, that that's a great question, Keith. And it's been kind of an interesting journey. So, you know, if you look at my career as a whole, I've kind of, I've been able to experience a lot of different atmospheres and corporate structures and, and landscapes and, and, you know, different experiences with mentorship, etc. throughout that journey. But no, jumping from a, you know, a structured, however, pretty entrepreneurial position at a, a big company like GE Appliances and, and its parent company Hire, which is a big global company, into entrepreneurship, I mean... You know, I, I did a podcast recently too, where we talked about entrepreneurship, right? And I think, you know, it, it takes a certain amount of guts and a certain amount of stomach to be able to go and jump into that, as I'm sure you know, Keith. 
But what's really cool is if you can also find an organization, if you can find an organization that promotes that type of entrepreneurship, right, and isn't corporate heavy, which, you know, I'll give GE Appliances, a higher company, a, a great nod here. I mean, they had a tremendously entrepreneurial experience, although it's this, this giant machine of a company, you know, but the calling to be an entrepreneur is always there, right? So, you know, I, I always say this, and I've said this before, entrepreneurs who don't answer that calling end up living, you know, lives of desperation and, and wanting to go and pursue those goals, right? So I'm a big fan of taking risks and taking jumps. And I think, you know, it can be a rewarding experience. And sure, the workload goes up, you don't have that support structure, at least for the, you know, the foreseeable future, certainly starting out, but it can be a tremendously rewarding experience as you as you stick to it. Definitely. And Ryan, one of the things that kind of jumps out is that for people who don't answer the calling is one word that is regret. And, um, you know, I always, when I look at things and I don't know how you think this way, but I always think what's the worst that can happen if this doesn't work out? What is the worst that can happen to me? Is this a life or death situation? And, and I look at this even with just decisions. Will I die? Is this a life or death situation? Cause that's always the most extreme consequence for your actions. Will I lose some money? Will I be embarrassed? I always think when you're making decisions like that, you've got to look at the pros and cons and then what's the upside. But I always say, what's the worst that can happen? Because I think that subsides the fear if you have fear in making those decisions. That's such a great insight. And I think I don't recommend anybody do it blindly, right? I mean, jumping off cliffs without any sort of preparation work is is a fool's errand, right? I mean, I think there's a way, whether you're coming up new into the workforce or whether you're at a job and you, you want to develop something that you're more passionate about, you know, working on that side hustle, making sure you're concentrating on your job so your bills are paid and developing a plan and doing the homework and doing all these type of things to develop what's likely a side hustle to begin with that doesn't interfere with you paying the bills during the day. Yes. And then get to a point and make the plan where, you know, you can make that leap confidently, right? Where you know you're prepared, you know you've got the plan to go be successful. And then every waking moment, you know, for that first three, six, nine, 12, and 18 months, treat it like your life depend on it, right? Yes, I agree. And I think, um, I think it was Jim Carrey who was talking about this in an address to university, but he said, you know, you can fail at something that you love, but you can also fail and that's something you don't love. Yes. Right? So if you had to pick between those two, pick the one you love because it's going to give you a better chance at finding meaning in what you're doing, which, you know, as I get older and as we get older, we start to realize that meaning and that fulfillment, you know, you, you can get jobs to pay the bills, but having a career that means something to you at the end of the day is is worth its weight in gold, right? Oh, 100%. 100%. And a lot of times I, I look at things that you know, when people are, yes, you've got to pay bills and yes, you know, you've got to secure yourself. But at the end of the day, it's not like you're risking, okay, I'm making a million dollars a year or something ridiculous. You know, you might have a regular job that you can get back if this thing doesn't work out. I also love the fact that one of the things that you tuned in that you focused on is to do it as a side hustle. So you're going to have a pretty good, pretty good indication because I'm sure, you know, you didn't just jump right in. You did some planning. You saw what was going on. So you were able to kind of have an understanding of where this could go at the same time you hadn't given up your job which is smart so I think that's a lesson that people can take away and we live in a day and time where you can do that you can you can work after your job at night and if you want it badly enough you'll do it you know you, you kind of hit on two things there that I'll talk about. So one, I mean, you know, it's not my first time at the rodeo, right? So I've jumped off the cliff before. And it always leads to greater opportunities, right? And I think, you know, so you have to be willing to, I hate the word fail, but you have to be willing to learn, right? Because not everything's going to happen exactly how you planned out anyways. You can just commit to yourself to show up every day and do the work and be the best you can be every day. Things are going to pivot and you're going to change and things like that. It's never going to go by design, but as long as you keep with the hustle, you know, good things usually happen. But, but one thing you mentioned that, 
is specifically applying to the trades, let's say, for example, right? And my career is a good example of this. I started on the tools. You know, I was a 21-year-old kid and I asked somebody, hey, I got to get a real job. You know, what do you do? And he said, hey, I'm in refrigeration. And I said at the time, well, I don't want to work on refrigerators the rest of my life. And he said, no, no, no. He goes, give it a shot. We'll get you a job the first day. So I was a, I was a helper for a long time. I then became licensed and a technician. And that path, once you get certified, and every every place is different. Some places you need schooling, some places you don't, you know, certifications, things like that. But once you get that skill set and you become a skilled tradesperson, whether it's HVAC or plumbing or electrical or carpentry or pick your poison, you always have that skill set and you always have that certification to fall back on. So even if you go ahead and start a business, start a contracting business, and you go and, you know, two years in, you're like, my gosh, I'm working three times as hard and making the same money. You always have that ability because the skilled trades are in such demand and there's such a shortage to fall back to a a well-paying career, right? And the flip side of that is, and where I went with my career was, I got that foundation of knowledge from the trades. I got certified. And then I fell in love with the business aspect of it, right? And you look at kind of where that career has taken me. I've worked for large contractors. I've worked for distributors. I've worked for a global company like G Appliances, a higher company. And I've traveled the world. I've, I've hit every major city in North America. I've been overseas to China and Italy and all these different places. And it started with me asking a guy on a job site, hey, what do you do? You know, what, what, what are you doing over here kind of thing, right? And so I always have that foundation of technical knowledge that I got through an apprenticeship in HVAC, right? So you always have that to go back to. So it's your safety net and the demand is only going to go up because by 2000, I think in 2025, they're estimating a 50% shortage in trades. That is critical infrastructure. And that is, people need to be ringing the bell about that. Yes. Yeah. I also, I love what you're saying there. I also think another thing that a lot of people don't realize is that you have a skill set where someone outside of a traditional nine to five job will pay you to do that work. If you're a plumber, you know, everybody, you know, has plumbing. Everybody, you know, will one day need a plumber to fix something. It's like being an auto technician. So many people have cars. You can always do side work for additional money. And there's nothing more powerful. Like we've seen, first of all, the trades are very secure. So you're not like you're going to lose your job. Like there's always be work there, but you can always get a additional work. I always feel like two incomes are always better than one. I don't care what you do, but two incomes always beat one income. <laughs> so I, I see well, that. Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett says, um, yeah, so Warren Buffett says the best way to fight inflation is your own earning potential, right? So, yes. um, and th- that's a great thing. You know, it's funny as, as a heating and air conditioning guy, it never failed. Come September, October or June, July, you would get the phone calls from people you went to high school with you haven't seen in 20 years and they'd say, Ryan, how you doing? Going <laughs> over for a beer. We haven't seen each other for so long. You go over and they go, oh man, it's hot in here. I wonder if you're <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's really happened to you? Oh, it happens even to this day. I mean, you never lose contact with people because whenever their stuff breaks down, you're the first guy they call, right? Yeah, that makes sense. I can definitely see a lot of value. Hey, did you have like, so, you know, young people are listening to you. Did you ever have mentors or somebody that helped navigate you through your career? And what'd you learn from them? And maybe what what advice can you share for the next generation coming up? Yeah, Keith, man, I'm so glad you asked that question because I'll give myself some credit for where my career has taken me, but I will give 10 full credit to the mentors I've been able to surround myself with. And it's it's truthfully the the number, the, the, the first bit of advice I give to any young person. And I don't care what job you're going into. I don't care what career you pick. But if you choose the trades, especially because there's so many different ways you can go, I seek 
to surround myself with people I thought were the best at what I was trying to do. Okay. And I was very, very fortunate to be able to be surrounded by not only good people, but people that were willing to kind of extend that olive branch down to me as I was learning. So in my progression, I mean, I worked with good regional people. So within my city and my area, and they were able to teach me how to do business on that level. And then I went to, you know, a provincial level up here or like a state level down there. And then I had people that were willing to mentor me there. And then it got bigger and bigger and bigger. But no matter what seat you're sitting in and no matter what it says on your business card or your job title, seek to surround yourself with the best people and ask questions and be be upfront with it and say, hey, look, I, I'm trying to learn this craft as best as I can get there. You know, I want to absorb everything you got up in the head, you know, in your head and, and transfer it over, right? I want to be as valuable as I can be. And I think just asking that question, you run into the odd person that's trying to protect their job and, you know, maybe doesn't want to open the kimono, but, you know, I think nine times out of 10, you'll find people are are willing and eager to teach people, right? And that's that's something in my career right now and even what I'm doing with Contractor Growth Hub is it's about sharing some of that knowledge because the path I took, there's no university course for that. I started on the tools and I learned the business. There's a lot of people in that position. I want to share as much of these stories as I can, as many of these stories as I can to help people that are on that same journey, right? Yes. Is it possible for young people to still do your path right now or do they have to go to school? I think there's never been a better time um, for that. I think there's been stereotypes, you know, for, for a long time. And I still get the question too, you didn't go to university. I said, no, I went to trade school. And then I learned from the best people I could find in the business. And I think, you know, I'll never knock a path through university or college because that's, that's its, own, its own path. But I think making sure you're trying to be the best at what you're trying to do and you're, you're learning constantly and, you know, you're asking questions constantly, you're learning, people start to see a resume means nothing at that point, right? It's, it's what you can do. It's what can you, you can accomplish, how you can contribute, how you can help other people be successful. And one of the things I've said for a lot of years is my success is coming from helping other people be successful. And if you have that type of mindset, you know, whatever's at the tail end of your resume makes no difference because they know your name walking into the room, right? Yes. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's just, it's just building a brand. Talk about the industry. What trends and patterns are you seeing and how can, because you already said we're going to have a 50 percent deficit in terms of people, you know, in terms of having proper staffing in 2025. That's not long from now. <laughs> Talk about what you're seeing in the industry on the ground and how young people can position themselves to take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah. Listen, I mean, it's going to be an interesting journey the next few years. I mean, we've gone through a few years of things like product shortages and supply chain challenges and, you know, inflation and all these things that are driving the cost of the physical product that you're working with, whatever the trade is, you know, drastically higher. But at the same time, the cost of labor is going to get much higher because of the shortage of people, right? So I think, you know, the number one thing is you know, I'm a huge advocate for the trades. You know that everyone, everyone knows that, you know, making sure you select one that you can be passionate about and, and ask questions and talk to people that are, they're doing those jobs, understand what that looks like and then go and learn, right. And go, if you, if you need to get certified, go get certified, find a company that's going to endorse you to do that. Right. And right now, I mean, you go back 20 years ago when I started looking at resumes of technicians, I would have a stack this big 
and you could never get through them, right? So you're just trying to find somebody with the skills you could go get. And then, you know, a hundred people got pushed aside. It's the complete opposite now. People are giving signing bonuses. People are giving, you know, all kinds of things, right? Because the real holy grail now is somebody that can go and perform the work, right? And it's never going to be, it's never going to be replaced by a robot. It's never going to be uh, replaced by a machine because it takes hands and minds and, and things like that to diagnose and install. So go get licensed, learn from the best. And really, I mean, you know, we've all seen these memes on, on different social media, things like that. You see the walk of that of that journey, right? I mean, you're not going in into your profession or your, your grown-up life with this massive, massive debt and obligation from, you know, post-secondary education. You're getting paid to learn. When you're done, you're making a tremendous wage without any of that burden that's, you know, dragging behind you. And, you know, it's good right now. Okay, you can make a tremendous living and, you know, you, you got to find the right company, the right place to work. But in two, three, four years, you're going to be able to name your price. The The pendulum has, has shifted so far to one side now where technicians can walk into any building in their area and they can have a job this afternoon or sooner. Right. And that, that's such an empowering thing because, you know, that stigma of trades people, it's a dirty job. It's a this, that they're laughing all the way to the bank and, you know, they, they're able to command, you know, what they're, what they can earn and what their working conditions are like and things like that, because it's such a needed critical infrastructure job and not enough people are going into that business. Right. So, yeah. The other thing too, that I want to throw in there, and I've learned this as I've you know, interviewed folks in the skilled trades is in your profession in particular, you guys sometimes are servicing the food and beverage industry and restaurants. And people have to realize that I, I interviewed a president of a um, Sam Service Inc. They do food and beverage. And he was saying, you think about when these restaurants have problems with their equipment, which we know they're all going to, right? They can't just shut down the damn the restaurant. <laughs> they need that stuff fixed tomorrow. You think about any restaurant that is serving people food, if their equipment's not working, they're not in business. So, I mean, how quick are they picking up the phone to call, you know, those companies. And it's not like there are a hundred companies in one city that do that same work, I would imagine. Again, I'm not going to sit here and say I know all the, the numbers and the facts, but I know there's not a bunch of places they can call in their city. It might be maybe four or five, but, you know, and if they're not fully staffed, that could be a wait. Somebody might not get out right away. I don't know about you, but I've had, if you've had to call a plumber recently, they're not exactly coming out in 24 hours. And well, and that's it, Keith. You know, whether it's four, five, 20, or 100, I can tell you uh, anybody you'd want to have in your house or business working on your stuff, anybody with the right skills is booked out for a week yes, or they two are. or more. Yes, they are. And, you know, I, I use that word critical infrastructure, and people, when, when, they, when people hear that, they think of government terms, right? That's like, a, you know, the roads and things like that. But th this is what fuels our, our lives. And what used to be, um, in some cases, like you take air conditioning, right, or different cooling products, things like that, that was a luxury 60 years ago, right? When, you know, somebody was walking around knocking on doors selling window bangers to, to cool your home. Now, you know, I, I used to tell this story as a technician all the time. You go to somebody's house, you know, I, I'm in a cold climate, I'm in Canada, and you go to somebody's house in February and the furnace is broken and you go down there and you come up and you say, well, it's going to be two days till we can get the part in. You know, I'm sorry, it's going to be a little chilly in here. You know, maybe we'll open the stove, turn the stove on, get some heaters. And they say, well, you know, it's okay. We'll cuddle up, you know, we'll make it work. You go into somebody's house in the middle of August and their air conditioning's broken and you go back in the house and you say, hey, 
you know, it's going to be two days till we can get the part. It's going to, you know, be out for two days. And all of a sudden they've got breathing problems and, MC, <laughs> and all these different things, right? You know, and they're going to die. And they're going to go spend $500 on a hotel. So what I can tell you is, you know, whether it's water, whether it's, you know, foundational, whether it's heating and air conditioning, electrical, all these different things, it's a demand product with an urgency behind it, right? And in our case, in our industry, you know, without heat and things like that, people can die, pipes can freeze, oh, damage yeah. can happen, all these kind of things, right? So, so again, you know, it just speaks to that demand and... You know, if you, if you've got a business and say your server room, you know, goes down, right? The unit cooling your server room goes down. That's controlling all your systems, everything else. Well, guess what? You need somebody there in two hours. And right now there's not enough people to do that. So you can't afford to be out of business for a week. So you're going to go and pay that premium. You're going to go and invest in that, right? So that's the urgency behind it. Now it's a bell I ring every time I open my mouth because it's such a high demand and it's, it's well-paying job, things like that. Anybody who gets into this is going to enjoy a tremendous career over the next 10, 20, 30 years. Definitely. Hey, Ryan, talk to us about hub contractors and, and the work that you are doing. And I, I know I missaid the name, but uh, contractor growth hub. Sorry. Yeah. So I've always been passionate. And one of, one of, the, one of the things that has kind of been a, a value add when people work with me in my jobs and in my career was because I came from the contracting world, right? So I've been on the tools. I've been a salesperson. I've run contracting businesses. I know the challenges and I know how to be successful in that business. So I have a, I have a pretty good understanding of the contractor, how they make decisions, the challenges they face and how to overcome them and things like that. So that was my goal to start this is, you know, I want to help those people be more successful and I want to help manufacturers and wholesalers relate to the contractor because there's a disconnect there, right? You've got people and, you know, I'm not going to be derogatory here, but white collar folks that maybe don't understand the contractor and they make programs and they make things like that. And then they wonder why they didn't work or they didn't, they didn't um, appeal to a contractor, right? Well, you've got to understand how they think before you go and design those programs and, and things like that. And in an effort to be successful, because the other kind of, you know, challenging stat that exists is contractors, you know, we talked about the side hustle, right? And, and preparing for it and things like that. A lot of times people get licensed and they say, geez, that, that business owner over there makes a million dollars a year running his own company. Well, I'm going to start my own company. So they go and buy a truck and they go and get insurance and they go and, you know, they, they service all their friends and family and then they don't know how to get their name out there past that, right? So people that start their own contracting business without that preparation, you know, 50% of them go out of business. Six, I think it's 62% within five years. So I want to help that stat. I want those eager people that want to go and grow their own business and build their own empire. I want to teach them about how to understand cost and margin, how to understand advertising, how to understand how to grow a business and not be, you know, the guy that does everything 20 hours a day, right? Because as we talk about the demand, you can go do that real easy, right? So I talked to them about how to grow a business, not just, not just, just be in the business 100% of the time, right? So so that was the intent of it, really just to help contractors and help people connect to contractors, right? It's something I'm super, super passionate about. Yeah, and I and I can see it because I've, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, particularly in construction and interviewed a lot of people in construction. And the biggest challenge they say for contractors is that they're great at doing the work, bad at the business. They don't price it properly. So they're sitting there going, oh my gosh, I didn't price it properly. And look, I've seen people do this too, like just come into my house to do work. And I could tell because I've interviewed a few people, I've had a few people come in and I could tell the people who are like, oh no, that your price is off. And I don't, I'm like, are you sure you want to give that price? Are you sure you're going to be able to do this and this and this and this? And, and I'm no expert, but I mean, I I can tell just well, you're from a good man, Keith. God, you're a good I, man. 
Yeah, because I don't want them, because what I don't want to do is I don't want them to start to work and then they're like, they're mad because they're like, oh, you know, I can't. And now they're cutting corners and I have somebody at my home that's not happy. That's never a good thing to have somebody working on your home and they're not happy. So I always want to make sure, hey, does this work? You know, because I, I don't want any surprises. Like if we put this down and we say, and that's that's one of the things I do. And so so then I can come back and say, hey, you know, I talked to you about this because I've had people do it. And I said, hey, look, when I talked to you about this, we wrote this down. I questioned you and you said, okay. And so that's well, what well, I that journey that. looks so like this, would, right? Yeah. Something real simple. I mean, you know, contractors, when they start their own business, you know, technicians, when they start their own business, they use a markup, right? And they say, okay, I'm going to mark everything up 25%. It's some arbitrary number, right? That they come up with that they mark up their costs on. But what that doesn't allow you to do is scale your business, right? That doesn't allow you to incorporate costs like another truck and another team on the road and an office and all these different things. So you get stuck in the business because you're just, you're selling your time with a markup, right? So understanding costs and the cost behind the scene and understanding what margin is, what you're left at the end of the day after all your bills are paid, being able to teach that marketing, all these different things. And then really the scaling piece of it is, you know, that allows you to grow your business, incorporate your costs and be able to become a business owner, right? And, you know, that's the number one, you know, journey everybody wants to go on, but you got to do the work. And, and sometimes that results in, you know, not being the cheapest guy in the market, right? And that's a muscle you got to learn to flex and you got to learn to develop is, you know, being able to compete at a price where you can have money in the bank at the end of the month and then, you know, being able to create the value so you can go and overcome those objections to you're not the cheapest guy in town anymore. What happened? Yeah. You know, you know another thing too, Ryan, is... And also when people are priced too low, you question whether they're going to do a good job. Like you question the quality of what they're going to do. And that's another reason why I'd question the individual. Because I'm like, if everybody's here, 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 and you're here, something's off. Something's just not connecting. And like I said, I don't have to know the industry. I can just use a little common sense. And most customers and consumers are going to question that. They're not just going to, people no longer just blindly say, okay, let me just take the lowest price. Particularly if it's skilled work, that's their home. It's something that's very important to them. So. I do think what you're doing is very valuable and can help a lot of people because if they start with the price here, they can always go down. But if you start here, you can't go up once you've told somebody, hey, we're charging you this. They don't want to hear the price is coming back up. So I love the work that you're doing. Also, Ryan, tell us about your podcast because I know you have a podcast. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, I talk about flexing new muscles and things like that. That was definitely one for me. I mean, I've been a huge, huge fan of podcasts for a long time. I spent far too much time listening to them, but I think it's done me a lot of good. And I just thought, you know, what's the best way that I can reach the most amount of people with with some of these conversations? And the, and the podcast is is cool. I mean, that's where the discussion happens. That's what we're doing right now. But what I really found was, and that, that's got some good reach, but what I really found was, you know, being able to take the clips and putting them, you mentioned TikTok earlier, things like that just the amount of people you can reach, right? With, you know, videos like this or just people talking, right? And the, the little tidbits of information that you can drop out in the world and just to see the reaction to it and the views and things like that. I mean, you know, you, you like to think you're doing some good in the world and that's the intent behind it, right? And I think, um, you know, I, I've, as I said before, people have been willing to share their journeys and their tips and things like that, which is just, it's such a tremendous gift that I, I've gotten from these people. And I want to share that as much as I can. And it's just such a great avenue to go and create that 
content and go and share with as many people as possible. And, you know, you, you always wonder how it's going to do and things like that. And it's such a cool experience when you see people interacting with it and commenting on it and things like that. And you get DMs saying, hey, you know, I was having this challenge or I was, I was you know, at work and, you know, that guy you had on really talked me through a similar experience and things like that. So those messages mean a lot because it's a lot of work too, right? I mean, you know, oh, this, yeah. you're, you're doing this too. It's a lot of work to put these things out and, you know, getting people to be guests and coordinating with their schedules and the technical piece and all these kind of things. I mean, that wasn't my forte, but you know, you get a sense of accomplishment out of it that, um, you know, it, it's pretty special. So I'm, I'm really fortunate to have uh, been down this path. Yeah. And I also think as someone like yourself, who you strike me as somebody who puts a value on learning new things. Um, I gotta believe, I know I have interviewing people. Like I learn every time I interview people. So I would imagine there are things that you're learning and gaining from just from having your guests on. Yeah. And it's, it's goes back to that skill of like finding mentors or, you know, I think, a mistake some people make when they're in a room full of people or at an industry event is they want to be the person doing the most talking, right? Because they think, hey, you know, I want, you know, I want people to think I, I know what I'm talking about, all this other stuff. The best thing you can do when you're in a room full of people, you know, that are doing awesome things is ask questions and just shut up and listen. And just like we're doing right now, and just like I do on the podcast, that's what it is, right? It, it's trying to get people to share their own experiences, right? Because you're going to pick, when, when no matter who you're talking to, you're going to pick something out of it, right? And if you can throw that in the vault and throw that in the bank and use that at a later time, you're only going to get better and better and better. So whether it's a mentor or whether it's a conversation or whether it's just attending industry events and learning, it's like leveling up every time you have those interactions, right? And I think, you know, it's so important. And, you know, people that are willing to share their stories, I give them all the credit because without them coming on, you know, we wouldn't be able to do this, right? We'd be That's talking true. to ourselves. So. That's true. But I'll tell you <laughs> something. A lot of people, if you select people who who love what they do, enjoy what they do. It, it's usually not a whole lot of work. Like I find as I've done these podcasts, you know, I've kind of done a little research and looked out and I'm seeing a person talking about what they're doing or they're writing about it. I'm like, they, I'm, when I reach out, I'm like, you seem to like what you do. And they're like, heck yeah, I do. And I'm like, can we talk about it? And that, there's no, I always tell people that anybody can do what we're doing. You know, I, I didn't work in the industry and I tell people that all the time right off the bat. And so I, you know, my agenda is to just have young people learn about this and promote the trades. And my business is a skilled trades job platform. And so I'm also meeting people from a networking perspective. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty straightforward on what my intentions are. And people are usually pretty positive about that. And, you know, if they see you've done a couple of episodes, you know, then, you know, they're like, okay, let's go. And they also make it convenient for people. Let me ask you something, Ryan, who would you, if you could have any guests on your podcast, I know I'm putting you on the spot and it doesn't even have to be an industry, just somebody you'd be curious to have a conversation with, who would you oh. have? Boy, I'm sorry I put you on the that, spot. That's a but... long, long list. Man. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough in the industry when I usually make the phone call, people people will come on. You know, outside the industry, I'm I'm gonna throw out a crazy name. I don't know if everyone's gonna know who he is. I got his book over here. Sure. Um, are you familiar with David Goggins? Yeah, yeah, I've heard of him. He's a seal. I would have David Goggins on. I'd have to throw the explicit language tag on <laughs> <Yes>. there. But <laughs> I just love you know guys like him and Jocko Willink and all these yeah. kind of people, right? Because I try to talk about the trades. We talk about career journeys, but there's there's topics within side of that. Just as you look at my journey, right? So I've been a trades person. I know how hard that is on the body and it is. I've been a business person and I know how hard that is on the body when you're sitting on a plane or, you know, doing all these kind of things all the time and eating out all the time. So I talk about health and I talk about different things just, just within the industry. And I try to sneak some of that in there. And man, you ever listen to David Goggins? I mean, if, if you don't, if you don't get the get up and go after listening to, to David Goggins, something's wrong. You know I've heard I mean? of, I've heard so, of. I've definitely heard it. Yeah, he's 
so I'm, I'm a big fan of you know. He's always exercising, right? Like he's always got like he's always working. Well, this guy out runs hundreds of miles. You yeah. Know? He says uh, he says all the time. You know, sometimes I look at them shoes for three hours before I start running. <laughs> yeah. But guess what? Then he goes and runs two hundred miles. Yeah. Know, over two <laughs> days, and you're like, so you know, I, I'm not going to profess to be to be at that level of fitness or execution, but I, I like the idea of discipline, right? And I like the idea of, of challenging yourself. And again, it's just things that can make you better every day. And if you can master those little things, right? If you can master getting out of bed at a certain time, you can master making your bed every day, right? Which is another you know, yes. another speech that's been given. For. If you can do those things and you can push yourself with exercise or push yourself with all these things, what you find in time is things will get easier for you. The, the challenges you face on a day-to-day basis or in business or in your relationships and all these different things, all those things get a lot easier because you start developing not only your muscles, but your mind, right? And I think so. So lo- long answer to your question, David Goggins, I think I would I would really enjoy having on the podcast, but he'd probably be like, what the hell's HVAC, man? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, David, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> Ryan wants you on his podcast. <laughs> Tag him on LinkedIn. Tag him when you Tag do him. it. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going to tag him on LinkedIn. No, for I, I seriously will. I will do that. I'm serious. I'll definitely tag him. Final question. If you could talk to your older self, who's 10 years older, what would you ask yourself today, right now? If you could talk to yourself, you're 10 years older and you're talking to, to yourself now, your 10-year-older self. Yeah. So it, it's funny. I was hunting uh, up on my land last week, um, way up on an island up north. And um you know, I was with a very good friend of mine. I consider him a brother. And we were having some of these, you know, late night, you know, two or three beers in conversations, right? And, uh, you know, around a fire and all that kind of stuff. And when we talk about that and, you know, I'd ask myself, are you happy with your story yet? You know, yeah. So one, a, a belief I have, and, you know, I'm not going to get too cryptic here is, you know, the way you live forever is you have the best eulogy you've ever heard, right? You've had the best story that lives in people's minds, right? And that's the question I'd ask myself is, are you happy with that story yet, right? And uh, hopefully the answer is always no. So nice. I love it. Well, Ryan, please share how people can find you. Yeah, I'm on everything. Um, it, it's a daunting task, but you'll find me on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn or YouTube or Twitter, all these different things. It's just Contractor Growth Hub. If you look that up, you'll find it on just about everything. And hey, look, I love talking to people. So if there's anybody out there, if you need advice, things like that, I'm, I'm a big fan of extending the olive branch. So Excellent. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for being a guest. It's been a pleasure and uh, please stay in touch. Yeah, Keith, man, I love what you're doing, man. Keep at it. Thank you. Will do. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.